guys, welcome back to another episode of Drink and Tell. Um, today, we are keeping it strictly business. We'll run through a little bit about our jobs, how we got there, um, some tips we both learned. So Amanda and I have been working for almost three years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. I actually just got my three-year anniversary email. My boss sent over a little recognition. I think she saw that I've been at the same company now for three years. So there was like a little service email. Very exciting, even though three years is not that long. For millennials, three years is a long time. Like I feel like we switch jobs every two years for the most part. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I'm in a relationship with my job. Like, that's the longest commitment that I've made to something in a while. (laughs) Touche. So my first job was in consulting. And for context, my entire family is in consulting. My dad, my sister, my uncle, my cousins. Like, it's just that is what runs in our family. And so I interviewed at pretty much every consulting firm out there, from the larger ones to the smaller ones. And I interviewed Amanda, to your point, at probably a hundred different companies. I'm not kidding. I interviewed so many places. And I finally ended up choosing between two that I really liked. One of them was a retail uh, consulting company based in San Francisco. And the other one was a much larger corporation based in New York. It really came down for me to choosing the location I wanted to be in. I like spent a weekend in San Francisco and it just wasn't wasn't my vibe at that time. Like I was coming out of college. I was ready to like go clubbing and go out all the time. San Francisco is so much more chill and so much more laid back. I ended up with the big corp. It was for me just fully based on the people I was interviewing with. I had the best interviews. What was cool about it was that there was such a big Cornell presence and it just really felt like, yeah, this is a culture I think I'll thrive in for my first job. But what about you, Amanda? I know thinking back three years is probably a long ways to go. So when I was going through the interviewing process, my you know family, I didn't really look to them for that support. It was more so what I was interested in and what I wanted to do with my life specifically. And to be very honest, I have no clue what I want to do with my life today. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. I think for me, it's very much just being in the moment and deciding that I'm happy with where I'm at and making sure that I can have a good well-being in doing so. So when I was going through the process, I just knew my eyes were locked in in New York City. I absolutely knew that's where I wanted to be and go. So I was looking for jobs only in New York City. So I ended up in one of the investment banking firms. Right now, I am working in data specifically. So my client is HR. I used to I used to work in HR in like a campus recruiting role, in a business partnering role, advisory role. I think really why I chose this specific job and team is I'm on a global team. The people that I work with are great. My manager is absolutely amazing. She's given me so many opportunities to grow, develop, to lead. Really, that's why I'd say I'm still in the job I am today. But right now I'm happy, Anika. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's so interesting, like your role right now versus what you came in. Like, I remember, Amanda, when you were going through all of your rotations and you got assigned to this team and you were so upset about it. You're like, this is what I want to do, like totally not a tech girl. And now you're absolutely crushing it, like actually enjoying what you do. Like, it's just so cool. Like it goes, it goes to the whole, like have an open mind. 
Yeah. I mean, I think I was scared, but at that point in time, when I first was on the HR tech and change team, I think one of the things I really enjoyed was working with technology and working with APIs and all of these things that I've never heard of systems and Python and coding Tableau. Like it was all really interesting to me because I had never done it before. So I think I was scared coming in, but once I actually sat down and learned it, I was like, wow, this is actually really interesting. And this is kind of the future. Like every company is relying on APIs and automation of systems to do better and become more efficient. So I'm really enjoying that aspect right now. That makes me so happy. It's honestly so ironic because I feel like I was the opposite of you. I did all that in college and then decided I didn't want to do it for my job. Um, and I remember when you were first starting, you're like, Anika, like, what is this data thing? And I was like, oh my gosh, it take me back to freshman year, like Python. Actually, Python is a really cool language, but I hated the rest of it. Yeah. I would just add that for me personally, I think the big corporation vibe was where I struggled. First company I worked at was huge. I mean, like thousands and thousands of people, one of the big four, if you know, consulting well. Yeah. And it just, for, for me, I felt like there were, there weren't that many growth opportunities, especially early on in your career, kind of felt like you were assigned to teams, you were assigned responsibilities, and then moving up the ladder happened in a very timely fashion. It was, I started interviewing about a year and a half into my first job, I would say. I interviewed for five months. I interviewed for a really long time, again, at all different sorts of companies, because Amanda, to your point, like I still had no idea what I wanted to do. When I found this new job that I'm at, it's a similar to consulting role, but it's at a private equity firm. So a world of a difference It kept everything I loved about consulting, but it removed everything that I didn't. And I mean, I've only been at this new job for, I'm coming up on a year in like, I think three weeks, it'll be my one year. Probably by the time we post this episode, I would have been there by a year. Oh my but, goodness. We're celebrating. Isn't that oh, yeah. I know. July 8th. I'll never forget when you were fun employed, which I, I didn't know what that meant. Um, yeah, so maybe, maybe you could briefly tell us what that fun employed period looked like and what that term actually even means. Oh, fun employment. You guys, if you are looking for a new job, enjoy your fun employment period because it's amazing. For me personally, I was fortunate that I was able to get a new job before I quit mine. So I basically my timeline, I got my new job right around Memorial Day, I quit about a month later, and then I took two weeks off before I started my new job. Normally, it's the only time that you can wake up whatever time you want, you can just lay in bed all day, or you can go out. I but anyways, after the fun period is over, you start your new job and it's definitely different. When you graduate from college and you start your first job, people expect you to know nothing. It's like you go into it, any question that you ask, you're like, oh my God, she's new, poor thing, blah, blah, blah. Your second job is not like that. Like, first of all, there's barely any training. I had a day of training and then was on the job. And by training, I mean, I just got sent a bunch of decks that were like, here's what we do. And it took me a while to get okay with that feeling that you actually do have to ask questions. And like, even though it's not your first job, it is still a new job for you. And you do have to like, go out of your way to make sure that you're learning things faster and that you're picking up the pace. But it took me a few months to get okay with that. Right. I think that's so important. And maybe I just have a different perspective on that. But I think anytime you're new, you can use that as an excuse. So when mm -hmm. I was working as a business partner supporting banking, I had to work with different business managers in banking. And one of them was brand new to her role. And she was relying on me as an analyst to answer a lot of her questions. I remember she would pick up the phone, call me, 
wow, this director is calling me, like asking me questions, but I respected that so much. I like appreciate that she was acknowledging the fact that she was new and that she didn't know and that I had more knowledge. Granted, I was this six month person that's supporting a team, didn't have that much knowledge and was very junior in my career, but I had so much respect for this person who was calling me, admitting to me, emailing me, you know, just checking in and using the like kind of newbie card which I thought was oh yeah brilliant. I think it's so cool that like she was reaching out to you. I feel like even more so than having to ask someone more senior to you a question, it's even harder to ask someone more junior to you. Right. And for her to just like come in and openly admit like, yeah, I knew I need help and I'm going to go to someone who's quote unquote beneath me in terms of this corporate structure. Like that's really cool. Hopefully I gave her the right direction, but yeah, I mean, it is really tough, Anika, and I give you a lot of respect for that because you're absolutely right. People do expect a little bit more. I'll be getting an intern this summer, and I'm already planning on how I'm going to make this virtual intern experience great, how to be a manager, think about different perspectives, and think about all those considerations and questions that I had when I joined and trying to put myself in that person's shoes. What I've learned recently is over-communicating is key. You have to over-communicate. And right now you have to determine the best approach to do that. So you have to be very cognizant of your teammates and their working hours and also cognizant of your clients. I would just like to take a step back and say, Amanda, you are going to be such an amazing manager. Like if there was any person that if, if I were an intern and I had someone like you as my manager, I would feel so welcomed i would feel like i had so much potential i would fall in love with the company like whoever you're interested you're very like, sweet you consider themselves really lucky that's really sweet anika i was lucky to have really good managers she reached out to me before the internship even started she sent me an email to my personal email and she set up a phone call you know what i'm i'm talking about this now and i'm realizing i'm gonna probably need to do that she was so fucking good and she took time out of her day to just sit down and talk me through what the team was about, the structure. She asked me what I was interested in, wanted to get to know me. And I was taken aback. And I I don't know, I thought it was normal at the time, I guess. But honestly, it definitely was not normal. And then during that internship, she asked me, do you have any feedback for me as a manager? Like, how have I been doing? And I was like freaking out. I was like, how am I going to tell this person who's more senior, my manager, who perhaps has some input into whether I will receive a return offer, you know, how do I give her feedback? Were you honest, Amanda? Like, did you tell her things that you think she could do better? I think I blacked out, Anika. Honestly, I don't know what I told her. I've had those conversations and I always find them so uncomfortable. And if they are in person or even over the phone, like... Unless there's a specific instance I can think back to that I'm like, you did not handle that well. I usually would just say, no, you're the best manager ever. Thank you so much. And then I don't know if you guys do this, but my old company and my new company, we do 360 feedback and it's all anonymous. So you can go in, you can give ratings, you can make comments. And at this new company, I actually love my, the the VP who works over me. He is the best, at least for me personally, I really struggle with giving negative feedback to someone who's above me. 
I think that it is difficult. And just to put into context, right now we are kind of at the mid-year reviews, summertime. Like you have those informal ones. Like we don't actually have like formal ones, but I just put a quick hour on at the end of June, a couple weeks ago. I just want to have a very informal conversation and choose me constructive feedback and advice all the time, which is great. Like those live feedback um, calls and even through email challenges me whatnot but I just want to kind of check in you know review my objectives prioritize work and just check in to see how I'm doing because obviously we've moved to virtual so I want to make sure that I'm meeting her expectations and that I'm prioritizing the work accordingly so that is an hour specifically for performance only because we have catch-ups as well but those can be about work sometimes we can start talking about life gardening or activities whatever I feel like it's really important sometimes to seek out that feedback instead of just expecting to be given to you or waiting for those more formal forms. 100%. I do the same thing, Amanda, with my VP, except ours are once a month, 15 to 30 minutes on his calendar, depending on how much we work together that month. And I just ask him, like, I usually will come prepared with a list of instances that I think I either did something really well or things that I know I could have improved on and ask him for specific feedback. And the other thing is, is that if you're doing that, you're one, you're showing initiative and you're showing that you care a lot about the company and you care about your performance and how you're doing for the company. But two, I think something that a lot of people forget is bringing in the instances that they did well. If I'm voicing that to my VP, I'm reminding him, this was an instance that I think I did really well. Like I got a very good result for our portfolio company. Um, Can you acknowledge that? And it just kind of puts the onus back on them. So come your end, they can kind of think about instead of him having to think about specific instances, you can just think about these once a month chats. Anika, you bring up so many good points. So many. So (laughs) one, always have an agenda. So I absolutely, you know, put in the meeting calendar the agenda for that meeting. It's a performance conversation, but I realized lately you need to come to the meetings with an agenda. So anytime I have a meeting with my client, anytime I have a meeting with my team, there's always an agenda in the meeting planner. The follow-up is something that's also really important. Like I, just to give a really concrete example, I one time had a very big negotiation coming up and we had a prep meeting and for whatever reason, I just forgot to send the follow-up email that kind of listed out who had what speaking roles. And I just assumed that everyone would remember. I ended up having to play five or six different roles that just minimized the the whole thing. And it was a nightmare. And I went back to my emails and was like, no, I put this in writing and I realized I never sent it out. So failure fell, fell on me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like a perfect example. You you can't expect people to know things, right? So to your point, I have 15-minute stand-up meetings. I call them stand-ups because I literally will stand up sometimes and just have a quick call with my team and be like, all right, guys, like this happened, this happened, this happened. This is an update here. I need you to do this next. We have a meeting coming up on Thursday because I do a bit of project managing on my job because I'm I think every job has a little bit of that, but it's really important to make sure you have to, there's no way to be successful at your job about project. Exactly. So here is a little tip that I have for that. Like, I don't know, Amanda, how frequently you used Outlook tasks, but I use them for literally everything. And I have three recurring daily tasks. One is send action items from previous days meeting. So that just forces me to go back, look at my meetings from previous day and make sure that I sent all follow-up emails. And I physically now, ever since that instance, look at my outbox to make sure that they went out. And wow. went 
Two, prepare for meetings on the following day. And that for me reminds me to go through, make an agenda, make sure I have all the questions I need to ask, whatever it is. And then three is going through the action item trackers that I keep for each of my teams to just make sure, you know, if something is past due and I haven't seen it yet, I can reach out and say, hey, here are your, you know, eight action items from last week's meeting that you haven't yet done. Can I help out with any of them and be as nice as possible? But like those three for me, they'll pop up every morning at 8 a.m. and just remind me. If you Holy shit, Anika. You are so on top of it. I love it. I mean, I'd say those things I kind of do, but again, maybe I need to put them in my calendar as reminders because I think you can never have too many reminders. I definitely use Outlook a lot. I don't use tasks. I actually use OneNote. I'm at a point in my career where I'm not waiting for things to happen. I have to actually drive things and yeah. initiatives and seek out the problems before they happen. I cannot stress enough. I think it is so important to have things in writing. Have as many conversations as you can. I mean, phone calls and all that are great, but like that's why the follow-up is so important because God forbid one day, and this has happened to someone that I know and I'm not going to go back and say who it is, but someone that I know got basically got told by HR that she wasn't doing well in her job, ABC, XYZ, whatever, went through the whole thing. They had specific examples from her counselor saying messed up in these five situations. And she was smart and she had everything in writing, every email that she'd ever sent. She was a massive follow-up person. And she forwarded on all these emails and she's like, look, I don't know where this is coming from. It's just, it's so, so important to have a written trail at some point. So you can go back and just forward things on if it ever comes back to bite you in the ass. Take as many notes, document everything. When you have a conversation, make sure that you kind of follow up and take note of it after because otherwise people will be like, nope. That didn't happen. Where's the evidence? And you need to show them the evidence. And I've actually learned that a lot with my current job. Whenever we have forums, for example, and it could be like a working group or it could be like an executive council meeting, a lot of times we'll put through materials and conversations or things where we need approval and evidence to go back to in those meetings specifically. So it's very easy to capture the minutes and notes from that meeting, especially for approvals, attestations, whatever it may be. And it's a very easy way to just revert back to, okay, May's meeting minutes. Did we capture that they approved this? Yep. Or they made a decision on this. Yep. Perfect. Here it is. Here's the evidence. And we can go forward with that decision all because of kind of the evidence and noting it down. I could not agree more. For my side, just, I think the last thing that I want to talk about is when I started my new job, it is a very male dominated industry and a very male dominated company. And that was a big, big struggle for me, getting used to that, getting used to exerting any sort of dominance in that kind of a culture. It was a big change. My first company was all for DNI. We had a ton of different initiatives, a ton of women in power. Um, and this new one, it's just, it's very, very different from yeah. that. I have found that being in this job has made me sometimes have to step out of my comfort zone and quote unquote, what's that movie? Think like a man, <laughs> like, but be a lot more forthcoming with the way that I feel, with the things that I say, with my management style. One thing that's really important, regardless of where you are, and if you're in an industry that's mostly male dominant, is to just find mentors, people that you can speak to, people that have the similar values to you and allies towards that specific cause. So 
I know for our firm, there's a huge focus on increasing the number of female managing directors and directors. It's on the top of the agenda, but it takes time. It's something that's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen next month, next year. I think we're on a five-year plan on small steps and small initiatives that we will take as a firm to get us there. I could not agree more. Amanda, I have one last question for you. Hit me. All right. Money doesn't matter. What's your dream job? I've always thought about being an entrepreneur. I want to start my own company. I do not want to be in corporate America forever. Half of it was partly because of just dressing up and just like the formalities and structure and all of that. I want to be able to run with my own ideas. And actually, I forgot who I was telling this to. I was thinking about just becoming like a speaker. You would be so good at that, like a motivational Motivational speaker. speaker. Yeah, but... I don't know if that would be self-fulfilling enough for me, but I think I really don't know, Anika. I, my, my passion and interests are changing more and more. And now that we're in this virtual environment, I think what I want to do with my life is completely different than what I was thinking beforehand. I'm going to have to take that one away as an action. I'll, I'll get back to you if you don't mind, if that's okay. It's okay. You can, you can think about it. I just, this question, I've been thinking about it a lot because people have been asking me for whatever reason a lot recently. And I decided my answer would be a travel and food blogger. I want to get paid to travel the world and try different restaurants, go to these amazing restaurants, go to hole in the wall, do whatever. But that is literally my two favorite things combined in one. And I think that that is what I would want to do. That's really all I would want to do. That's a great answer. Honestly, I may have to just say that that's my placeholder answer for now until I can think of a better one. Touche, touche. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap. You guys know what to do. Check out our Instagram. Give us a rating. Maybe throw us a comment if you feel generous. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll speak to you next Sunday. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.